Hello, this is Mole Man in the Morning. Good Mole Man to you. Today, part four of our series of the agonizing pain in which I live every day. Mark Grody on 670 The Score. Hey! Here I am. Welcome into the show. As the gentleman said, I am Mark Grody. And I get to be here with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And I am open, 312-644-6767. That is the number to call the score. Yes, the phone lines are open, 312-644-6767. That is the the phone number, and if you are a regular listener, um, you should... Already know that that is also the text number. But if you are a new listener to the score and you just want to text 312-644-6767, I am on Twitter, at Mark Grody Sports is where you can find me there. Adam Stadzinski is our producer tonight, and we got a busy show. Like I said, I'm here until 9 o'clock tonight, and we're going to get a Bulls update in about 40 minutes with Rob Schaefer in this um, ever-evolving, changing, uh, fluid situation with the Chicago Bulls and all the players that have COVID-19. And, uh, you know, the Bulls, if you don't know, the Bulls, both of their games this week have been postponed. Their next scheduled game is Sunday against the Lakers, which was supposed to have been a day game. It has been changed now to a night game. So we'll we'll get details from Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago at 6:40 on all that. Who's going to play? What's going on? Does this hurt the Bulls? There's so many questions about this little episode for the Bulls. What could derail this start to this Bulls season? Well, COVID-19. COVID-19 has proven to be a worthy opponent for sports. So, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, somebody, I guess, had to to do it to the Bulls. Or did they? A um, lot of bears tonight, including um, Aaron Lemming. He uh, writes for CBS, also for the, the Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron. I have not talked to Aaron Lemming in a long time. I don't know if I've talked to him during the regular season. I don't recall. I think it was right before the season started when last we spoke, and he usually has some very sharp opinions about the Chicago Bears, and he does not hold back. Another guy who does not hold back when talking about the Chicago Bears is Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun-Times. I will get to talk to him tonight at uh, 8 o'clock. And then also, check this out, at 8.25, we are supposed to have on Cubs Hall of Famer Ferguson Jenkins, which would be awesome. He, he is in town right now. He contributed to a book called Chili Dog MVP, Dick Allen, the 1972 White Sox, and a Transforming Chicago, written by David Fletcher, John Owens, and George Castle. So I, I, it would be great. Uh, I hope I know he he is out someplace right now with with some of the people that are part of that book. So <laughs> I, I might be at the mercy of that, but it is very a very strong possibility that we will talk to Fergie Jenkins at about eight twenty five tonight. He was on the the Hall of Fame committee 
this year and actually back in 2014 for for Dick Allen and those that get in from the Veterans Committee. So I want to see what went wrong. What are the po- possibilities and and you know he lived with Dick Allen as well. So we'll ask him about that and then you know we'll see what what you know what he thinks about the Cubs going forward. And the silly lockout, I hate talking about it, but maybe I'll ask Fergie Jenkins a question or two about that. So that'll be fun coming up at about 8.25 tonight. All right, so I was thinking today about Tevin Jenkins of the Chicago Bears, the the Bears' second-round pick this year out of Oklahoma State, the one who had back surgery, the one who we didn't know if we would see play left tackle this year. I, you know, I was trending no for me. There's the way everybody had spoken about Tevin Jenkins and his, not his ability, but his readiness to be the left tackle. Everybody I spoke to, it was either a non-answer or a, a pretty close to no, he's not ready. Um, except that he is number two on the depth chart at left tackle. And so when Jason Peters gets injured, guess what? Ready or not, he he has to go in and play. And th- that is what happened. That is what happened. Not going to lie, I was excited to see him go on the field. And I qualify that just because I obviously did not want Jason Peters to become injured. But we we're getting to see something that I didn't think we would get to see this year. Tevin Jenkins playing and he, he was just okay at times. That's about the best I could say. And I don't think there's any reason to be too harsh in your criticism about Tevin Jenkins right now. So I soften it that way, but here's what, here's what it got me thinking about because of all the high hopes for Justin Fields, number one, two, three, four, and five. And then there there have been this year big hopes for for Tevin Jenkins. I guess he, yeah, he's number two. And going into the season, it wasn't close between two and the rest of the field. It was just those two and the rest of the field. Like you wanted to see all the rookies develop, and I'm always fascinated to see what they could do with the with Borum and Herbert and Daz Newsom and Thomas Graham Jr. and Kyrus. Tonga, you always you always want to see and be interested, but let's face it, the two guys that you wanted to see most this year were Justin Fields and and Tevin Jenkins, and voila, it, in an unorthodox way, um, not the scripted out position that the Bears had taken. You've seen it, you have seen it, and you've seen those two guys get in. But all the while, there has been another player for the Chicago Bears, another rookie who has, in my opinion, outplayed the field as far as the rookies go for the Bears this year. And that is one Larry Borum. Like, if I, and this is what I, I got into today, I was like thinking, who, who is who is the, the Bears rookie of the year? This year, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Who's the Bears rookie of the year? And he's my rookie of the year. L- Larry Borum is my rookie of the year so far for the Bears, and it's, it ain't over. Um, I'm just getting in early on this little game that we're playing here tonight. And yeah, I mean, 
Larry Borum has played in seven games this year. He, six of the seven games in which he has played, he has played every snap. And you don't hear much about Larry Borum, which means he is doing his job. And it's hard to get excited about offensive line play, but he's been their best rookie this year in terms of, he's not been perfect by any means, but getting into games and being good and being solid and being a right, the starting right tackle for the Bears in his rookie year, one in which, you know, he spent some time injured in training camp this year, you know, a decent chunk of time. And he has really picked it up. So Larry Borum is is my rookie of the year. And I am um, I actually did a poll today. I put a poll up on Twitter. Every once in a while, I do the poll thing. I always forget how to do the poll thing, and then I remember. I'm like, okay, I'll do one of those cool poll things. Um, and the, the poll question, I'm reading my own poll question here from Twitter. Um, who is the Bears' rookie of the year? And I put as the candidates, Fields, Khalil Herbert, and Larry Borum. And I'm looking at this right now in real time. So on that question, which I posted a couple hours ago, um, nearly 800 votes. It says with 19 hours left. Nearly 801 votes. The, the Your choice, at least my Twitter people. Who is the Bears' rookie of the year? You have Justin Fields, 43.6%. Khalil Herbert, 25.7%. And Larry Borum, 30.7%. Obviously, I didn't read that in any particular order. So, again, it is Fields number one, Larry Borum number two, Khalil Herbert number three. At least that's on Twitter with 19 hours left to vote. So, if you'd like to get a vote in on Twitter right now, you can. 312 644 6767 uh, is the phone number. And so, and, and look. <laughs> Of course, I want it to be Justin Fields. I mean, I think it, it has been human nature hard not to give Justin Fields the benefit of the doubt this year. It's hard not to. I mean, everybody wants to see this. There's a sort of built-in bias from, I think, everybody from fa- in this city, in our Bears bubble, in the city, from fans, from broadcasters, from writers, everybody. It, it Everybody kind of wants him to be good just because the raw material is fantastic for Justin Fields. And and you know, you felt that. You feel it's almost like there's been a, a promotion going all along since the day Justin Fields, since the day Justin Fields was drafted. Bears fans wanted no part of anything else in the quarterback room. I don't want to hear about Andy Dalton or Nick Foles or anything. You know, nah, 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 nah. it's all about Justin Fields. So, but it, for the most part, it's been a disappointing season. Actually, that's not necessarily the right word. It'd be better to say it's been a bad season for Justin Fields because I don't think disappointment is a proper word here just because of some built-in excuses that he does have this year, having not had a training camp, um, having suffered an injury, two injuries this year, as a matter of fact. Um, and, you know, we, we don't know at this point how well he is supported on the, supported on the coaching staff as in coached 
on the coaching staff. So, and he's a rookie. Oh yeah, that's right. He is a rookie quarterback in the NFL. So that that is legit. So you can give him a little bit of room for that. Uh, but for the most part, like I, it, I've not, I've not seen what I've wanted to see out of Justin Fields. That doesn't mean it's not coming. He has a quarterback rating of 27.3, uh, six touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Yeah. So th- there are some things about Fields that he, he actually probably comes in third place for me right now. And I, like I said, some of this is not fair because I think that he, he is going to be great. But it just ain't now. Let's talk about what we're seeing. Khalil Herbert, man, he he's the he's the surprise kid. Khalil Herbert, the sixth round pick. Just to refresh you, you know, he's had two really good. He's had several good games. You know, he had a his tops as far as rushing yards have been 97 yards and 100 yards. Um, and he's at a couple of like right around 70, but overall this year, 95 carries, 392 yards. The classic case of a football player who, when you ask him to do something on the field, whether it is returning kicks or being a part of special teams or catching the football or running the football, all the things that Herbert does, he just does everything well. Like, I don't know if we're looking at a star in any way, shape, or form. He's just a guy who, I know, it's like the cliche, he's a good football player. Khalil Herbert is a good football player. Like, you put him wherever you want to, and he is going to thrive. He's going to have, you know, assuming health, he's going to have a, a really long career. So that, I mean, right now, that's my order. I, I Larry Borum is my rookie of the year. Um Khalil Herbert, number two, and Justin Fields, number three, right now. Let me see what's going on on the phones here right now. And as a matter of fact, there's a Danny in Aurora, and he is on the score. Hi, Danny. You're on the score. Hey, what's going on, Mark? Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head right there with Larry being the rookie of the year. Um, honestly, ever since he went down in week one and every since he got put back in the um, starting lineup, I think – Man's been like pushing his head through. He's been getting through a lot of blocks. Getting, I think he's just played downright nasty, in my opinion. Thanks for taking my call, Groats. Yeah, thanks very much for the call, Danny. Yeah, I agree. I am no expert in evaluating offensive linemen. It is something that I am working on and trying to get better at and hopefully perfect someday. But I think it's really hard to evaluate offensive linemen Unless you, unless you've played offensive line, so uh, from what I have seen with my admitted untrained eyes, yeah, he comports himself very well, and you know, it it, it makes me wonder what is the ceiling for somebody like Larry Borum because usually a fifth rounder, fifth rounder down, you kind of have a pretty good idea of what the ceiling is. And I don't know at this point with, with Larry Borm. You know, the Bears did say, and teams will say this a lot, but I think that they're being truthful, that they had, I think they said they had second or third round grades on Larry Borum. So this is just one of those cases where he, he this might be a player that fell onto their laps and needs for other teams were different than that. And so who knows? So I, I'm like excited to think about what Larry Borum becomes um, and, and what he has done right now. So he, he's my he's my rookie of the year. Let me go to uh, Bob. Bob, in the Northwest Burbs, you're on the score, man. How are you? Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Very good, Bob. What's going on, my friend? Good. You know, so my friend, so my pace, you know, if pace does get let go, I think that a lot of the indictment with him is just not a, not a good track record for 
drafting offensive linemen in his tenure. And it's kind of surprising coming from the Saints, you know, for all, as long as he was there. I mean, they have they always have excellent bookend tackles. Their, their offensive line was always good. And that even goes to the wide receiver part of the Saints. I mean, he, Pace's indictment is really offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, that whole, you know, side of the ball. But he's been lucky the last couple years on some late-round draft choices. But, but for the most part, just not not a great job on the on the offensive line to tell you, in my opinion. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, and I, I I think I agree with you on that because, and I think it's Olin Krutz that has pointed this out many times. They have not poured money or resources, I should say, into the offensive line recently. You know, in terms of what they pay, how they draft. I mean, they have a their center. Sam Mustafer is a, you know, he's an undrafted free agent. So now he, or, or was an undrafted rookie, I should say. So free agent. So, I mean, you look at it now, th- this year they did though. This year they did in investing in Tevin Jenkins and to a lesser degree, Larry Borum. So we'll see. And, and on the overall though, like, and I've been burned by this before by just looking at names and thinking that those names that pretty good, but really it could be pretty good for the bears because you've got some, you got some really talented guys on the, on the inside of this offensive line, a couple of the best, like, like if James Daniels, he, he's really having a good year. He's really having, I mean, I know he's had some penalties and some moments, but he's mauling guys. Like, watching from the sidelines and seeing him do work and seeing how he, he's become vocal, too, <laughs> on the sidelines. Like, they get they get going, those offensive linemen, when they come over the sidelines. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, but he's really good. Cody Whitehair is really good. You know, Sam Mustafer is good. Not as good as those guys, though, obviously. And so... That brings us back to to Larry Borum. If he is like, and obviously he he is he is playing right tackle. He's a right tackle in a starting right tackle in the NFL. It just makes me wonder if if there's even more to to Larry Borum down the road than than we even know. And then if Tevin Jenkins is what we think he is based on the scouting and how he played at Oklahoma State, then man, you might have a good offensive line, you know, or one that, one that is really good, like top 10 in the league. And, and, and really the, the bears offensive line now is not like it's an abomination, but to have an offensive line that you know about going into the season is going to be good. It opens up so much for, for the bears offense. And maybe, 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 maybe that is why, I'm saying Larry Borum is my rookie of the year. Maybe maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm trying to be cute by going for the offensive lineman instead of Fields, as most of you voted for on my Twitter poll at Mark Grody Sports. But I do feel like it like very quietly, this guy, having played in seven games this year, has kept things in line, pardon the pun, along the offensive line. Um Studs, I got one for you, buddy. Okay. Who is? I want to know because I meant to bring you in earlier here, and I know we got a break shortly. No, it's, but it's fine, it's fine. but okay, so we're cool, we're good. Okay. Um, 
who is your who's your Bears rookie of the year, brother? I saw your poll earlier today, and so it got me thinking about it. And I can't. I I basically the conclusion I came to is that I can't dispute that Larry Borm is the rookie of the year right now. I think it like if we're going to if we're voting right now, it's got to be Larry Borm because like Justin Fields has had his moments, but he's also just like looked like a rookie at times. Larry Borm has I think the the biggest credit you can give an offensive lineman earlier in their career is that you don't hear their name much during the game. And right. you never hear Larry Borm's name during the game exactly. in a bad way, like never. Nor, uh, nor, in, nor in the post-game analysis, typically. Yeah, either. it's just I which mean, I think it's, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's like good, but that means right. he's doing his job. Yeah, right? exactly. Which That's was which point, is the, which is what that got Charles Leno his second contract. He just did his job. Yeah, and so I, I think right now it's got to be Larry Borm because he's been the best of the group, and then Khalil Herbert has contributed in a lot of ways, but like I would put Justin Fields before him just based on, I, I don't know the fact that Justin Fields has had more time to make plays. If, yeah. if, if, if David Montgomery's injury had kept him out for the whole, the rest of the season, I think we'd be talking about Khalil Herbert as the bears rookie of the year. Cause I think he would have really shined giving, he was shining, but David Montgomery right now is just better. So they're not going to go backwards on that, but I, yeah. I have to agree with you, but in the last four games, Justin Fields could could show out and say, okay, well, it, it's Justin Fields now. But right now, yeah. yeah. And also, interesting, like the caller talked about, and you've been talking about this too, you were drawing this conclusion, like the Bears could end up with a good offensive line. It'll be interesting if Ryan Pace gets chased out of town the year that he quite possibly gave the Bears two starting tackles <laughs> from the draft wow. uh-huh. and, and a quarterback. And then he gets chased out of town. And plus, oh I mean, you know, James yeah. Daniels is his pick. Cody Whitehair is one of, I think Cody Whitehair was in his first draft. If I remember his first or second yep, draft. Yep, he was, yeah. Yep. He, that's definitely a pace guy. Yeah. And then Sam Mustafer, I, I personally, at this point, like, I think they could do better than Sam Mustafer, but he's okay. I think, and, yeah. and, and Mustafer, I think, could actually, if James Daniels keeps pro- progressing and, you know, Tevin Jenkins works out, Borum keeps getting better, Whitehair, I don't think he's going to get any better at this point, but, you know, stays where he's at. Like, I think Mustafer can be solid if the rest of the pieces around him are all good. Like, he can fill that gap. I just think they can do better. Yeah, and at, as for the caller, yeah, it is possible. Now, I think it it would be naive of me to think that it's just going to work. And, 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 and I'm talking about based on history, Bears history, with, with some highly drafted offensive linemen that I had high hopes for, like Chris Williams, um, you know, that, that just didn't work. Mark Colombo, another one of those names that I was excited about. And you know, here comes another tackle. He was the Wisconsin kid, right? And Colombo uh, end up being a starter in Dallas at some yep. point. Yeah, yep. he was okay, pretty good with the Cowboys. Yeah, I remember him. Like, but he was the he was not good here though. Yeah, no, he just he wasn't, and he was very very injured. But sometimes you got to hold out against the guy too. So, and then there's one more. I'm trying to think of who the there was a third um, highly drafted 
Bears offensive lineman in my lifetime. Well, not my lifetime because I was around for Stan Thomas early in the, the Ditka era, and he was a flop as well. So, you know, it, you can look at history, and you, that forces you not to be naive about these things. But, you know, hey, a couple things about Tevin Jenkins. Although it was a rough start for him. Tevin Jenkins is really good. He's a really good offensive lineman. So let's not forget about that. He is really smart, too. Like, he can pick things up pretty quickly, I think. Like, knowing where to be and how to do it. You know, he's got that. It's just how to do it at the NFL level. So Tevin Jenkins, and I'm basing this on his college career, obviously. He's really good. So stay healthy. And it was, it was good to hear that this is the healthiest that he has felt since before going to college right now. And he 100% you know, believes that there's no way that this back injury will re-erupt. You know, he doesn't know that, obviously, but that's the way he feels right now. So it's a, it's a really good thing for the Bears. But, you know, I'll, I'll cool it a little bit, but... You know, I, I do think that it, it could be really good. And thank you, thank you, thank you to the texters here um, at 312-644-6767. Coming in hard on Gabe Karimi. Um, oh, my so, God. Yeah, Gabe Karimi. Yep, see, here's yep. the thing. Like, they've had the Bears have had so many draft busts that at some point I've just, like, blocked them from my mind. Gabe yeah. Karimi is one of them. Because did he even ever play? Like, I, I don't remember him I, ever getting into a game. Shoot, man. I don't remember. That's going to have to be. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, up. I don't remember. Like, I'll have to look it up in the break because I, yeah. I really don't remember. I remember them drafting him and he was the guy that could jump out of the pool. Right. Was that that guy? No, 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 or, no, no. no. De- that was a defensive lineman, wasn't it? That was yeah, a defensive okay. lineman whose name is now escaping me. It is. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, oh, God. And I love. Oh, God. Who was that guy? Who was the pool jumper? That was a but, that was a a uh, Phil Emery pick, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we we're all. I gotta look out of Google. Now. Very excited. Yeah. You've got a couple things to to look up here. Um, let's see. Oh, somebody said Alonzo Spellman. No. 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 Alonzo Spellman. God, I loved when they drafted Alonzo Spellman, the Ohio State kid. Like he. Jerron Gilbert. Jerron Gilbert, defensive end, right? Defensive end. Yeah. Yeah. Jerron was... Gilbert. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Bad. Could jump out of a pool. Yes, he could. Oh, yes. Yes, that was fantastic. Um, but, yeah, no, Alonzo Spellman, man. I thought he was going to be awesome for the Bears. Like, the, the most sculpted human being you've ever seen. You know, this, like, perfect-looking football player. And then he just didn't have it. And, he, unfortunately, he had some mental issues as well. So, hopefully, he has been able to deal with that and have a normal life. But just as a football player, man, was I disappointed with with that guy. Uh, 312-644-6767. Um, I didn't mean to go down. Down Bears, you know, previously bad offensive lineman train. I did not want to go down that, but I did, and I do thank you for all your your contributions on the text line in in regards to to all of that. Um, let's see here. So I did. Let me update the poll here really quickly for y'all because um, I like doing polls. And uh, who is the Bears rookie of the year? Forty three point four percent of you say on Twitter. It should be Justin Fields, Bears Rookie of the Year. Larry Borum in second place at 30.9%. And then Khalil Herbert at 
8.6% coming in third. I put another poll up there. I mean, today I just got poll silly. And <laughs> the the other poll that I put up is who is who has been the Bears' best player this season. And the I'll, I'll tell you the candidate. I'm going to take a break right now. Come back. I will tell you the candidates, and I will tell you who my essentially Bears MVP. I worded it as the Bears' best player at this season. 312-644-6767. Bears talk right now. We'll talk about the Bulls with Rob Schaefer at 640. I'm Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Go Bears! Hope you're having a good night. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score here with you until 9 o'clock tonight. We're going to get an update on the Chicago Bulls in about seven or eight minutes or so with Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. Um, Aaron Lemming will talk Bears with us at 7. And then Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times will do the same with us at 8. And we're hoping to also have... Ferguson Jenkins, Cubs Hall of Famer, on live with us tonight at uh, 825. 312-644-6767 is the number. I love that Jerron Gilbert came up on this show tonight. I am still glowing from that happening. And it's a funny thing that occurs because when the idea was, when, when Adam asked, our producer, asked, who was the guy that jumped out of the pool? I couldn't pull it from my brain right away. I think it left my sports consciousness about two years ago. You know how that happens where guys are top of my, or like your sports brain has room for them and you could pull that name and then it goes away eventually because you've got somebody else who has replaced Jerron. Like Jerron Gilbert, Now, as I calculate, for for not being able to instantly pull up his name, I can only assume when did this happen? Was it two years ago that it left my brain? Was it was it COVID? Was it was it a COVID casualty? Is that why I couldn't pull Jerron Gilbert's name? I, I just think that's kind of fascinating. I think that when, the I, I just think that the what happens is the bad Bears draft picks they just replace each other after a while in your in your headspace. <laughs> oh, so like maybe Sh- maybe Shea McClellan replaced <laughs> Jerron oh, Gilbert or no, something. No. Yeah, yeah, maybe I could still pull his name because that came up recently. And I'll I never forget. Remember. I'll never forget Shea McClellan because he's the guy that broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Oh, that's yes. like. I mean, that's. I mean, he's I, in the cor- he's in Corey Wooten territory. Man, yes, you yes, know? like yeah, yeah, Corey Wooten sacked Brett Favre and ended his career. Yes, exactly. Yes. Like, hit, two guys I'll never forget because they injured Bears co- injured Packers quarterbacks. <laughs> it's such a horrible thing, and we do celebrate that. Like, like we you see, I see Corey Wooten when he's on TV doing like talking Bears. I said, oh, yeah, Corey Wood. Well, he did go to Northwestern, which is pretty cool. But it's like Corey Wood, he's the guy that he's, a, he's the answer to a great trivia question. Who ended somebody's career? Uh, yeah, it is. It is amazing what we allow ourselves to think or how we allow ourselves to think as sports fans. But we do. And I just did. All right. I, I will get to. The the who is the Bears best player this season? Um, it's on my Twitter right now at Mark Grody Sports. If you want to check it out and vote, because it says here, um, one thousand one hundred forty-four votes have been cast. Twenty hours left to vote. But I'll get back to this after we talk to to uh, Rob Schaefer of uh, NBC Sports Chicago, which we are going to do next on the score. I just just woken up from a nap and I, I saw the text, so I guess it's a. Uh... It's unfortunate. 
I mean, I don't know. It's I guess it's part of the world we live in right now. This whole situation with COVID, I think uh, it's just a lot of it doesn't make much sense right now. But uh, that's just I don't I don't know. Yeah, obviously the scientists and everybody around the world don't have the answers, so I definitely don't. But some things just are, are, are just weird. That is Bulls big man Nikola Vucevic talking about COVID-19, which has hit the Bulls hard. Some 10 players have been, were, in the COVID-19 protocol to the point where the Bulls have had to bang both of their games this week that were supposed to occur. They were supposed to be playing tonight, right? Yeah, that's why I'm here right now, or else I wouldn't be doing a radio show right now. Um, so yeah, the Detroit game, which was supposed to be tonight, they were supposed to be at Toronto later on in the week. And so those games will have to be rescheduled and the bulls are supposed to host the Lakers on Sunday. Let's find out more about that Lakers game and who's healthy and who's not with a man who covers the bulls on a daily basis. He is Rob Schaefer. He is with NBC sports, Chicago, love having you on Rob, but we got serious stuff here tonight, man. What, what is the latest on the bulls and COVID-19 and that Lakers game on Sunday? Yeah. So the latest is kind of, as you summed up at the beginning, Grody, two games this week postponed, obviously tonight's game, which was supposed to be at the United center against the Pistons Thursdays at, Toronto um, postponed as well. So the next time we'll see the Bulls play is Sunday against the Lakers. Even that game uh, has been a little bit affected uh, in the aftermath of this, um, getting the tip time pushed from 2.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. to to squeeze in some time for some additional testing. Um, And, you know, the NBA didn't want to do this. They, I, you know, even as you see protocol entries kind of surging around the league, I, I don't think the league wants to be in a situation where we're postponing games to the level they were last year because the schedule just isn't structured in a way to accommodate reschedulings later. But this bull situation, I think it just got past the point of, of being beyond the pale with, as you mentioned, 10 guys in protocols at one point. Now there are two guys in Kobe White and Javante Green who may be on their way out over the course of this week. There are some other guys that will hit their 10-day um, mark in protocols by the end of this week. The NBA's protocols basically dictate um, you got to stay at least 10 days in protocol, then pass some cardiac screening before you can be cleared to return. you got to ramp up your conditioning and things like that. Um, but, you know, with the Bulls having eight available, um, which was the minimum, and there's always the risk that you could go below that number with how fast this outbreak was spreading, um, it, it seemed to me like common sense to kind of just hit the pause button for the Bulls at least for the week, reschedule these two games. It's only two for now. That That's something that should be able to be accommodated later in the year. And let the organization get this thing under control because um, it was obviously spreading throughout the roster. It had spread to other areas, other staff members, and things like that. Um, so that's obviously unfortunate for from a health and safety perspective. The Bulls were also playing extremely shorthanded. So they'll still be shorthanded when they get back on Sunday, but the hope is over the course of this week um, they can kind of hit pause, collect themselves, and maybe get this thing trending in the right direction, whereas over the weekend it was like a daily occurrence, one to two people yeah. Um, yeah. going in. Yeah, it, it got out of hand for sure to the point that we are where we are right now. And you mentioned the time off. I mean, NBA players are what they know is getting a week off at the at the NBA All-Star break or whatever it is. And now the Bulls have this situation where they're getting a week off now. It might sound like a silly question, but how does the just the time off this relatively early in a season affect an NBA team and the players' ability to get back in shape and to be ready to play? 
Yeah, it's a good question. It, it, it doesn't sound like uh, the team is going to be able to do much in the way of kind of organized group activities, formal practicing over the course of the week because guys are obviously still coming back in. Um, you know, the NBA is putting in uh, stricter protocols around testing and things like that. Um, within the Bulls, that's been the case for a couple weeks. Um, I think in general, a week off at this juncture of the season, you're right, might be a little bit awkward. Um, but for this team, just in terms of, you know, having guys – we mentioned Kobe and Javante have hit their 10-day stay uh, in protocols. Um, over the course of this next week, DeMar DeRozan, Matt Thomas, and Derek Jones Jr., their window of eligibility will kind of open too. So I think the thing first and foremost is for those three guys to be able to potentially move through protocols, um, not, not a sure thing, but potentially before the next game is played, there's a benefit there. Um, there's also a benefit to, you know, even this early in the season, you've got a lot of wear and tear on players like think of Alex Caruso who came back on Saturday from a hamstring injury yeah. and he didn't necessarily look hundred percent. Now he gets a little bit of time off without missing games um, to, to put a little R and R in on that. Maybe he's closer to hundred percent by the time he comes back um, for guys like Lonzo ball and Nikola Vucevic who, you know, they hadn't played a game without Zach Levine yet, but with him out, they were already playing heavy minutes. Totals were going to be undoubtedly in the high thirties to low forties minute of the game range. If these two games have been played, that strain gets taken off of them early in the season. Um, so this is a team that has playoff aspirations. I think the ability to, you know, get a week off to refresh probably helps the guys that are even non, you know, COVID protocols at this point and obviously helps the guys that are um, potentially get back. So is it going to throw guys' rhythm off? Yes. You know, might Kobe White, a guy who has been in and out uh, of the lineup this year, might he just want to jump right back in um, and start the process of finding his footing? Yes. But ultimately, because of the wear and tear that was getting put on these guys, especially playing heavy minutes and with the amount of guys in protocols, I think uh, the team is probably going to benefit given the situation they're in from, from getting a seven day break here. So this is the second time Zach Levine's been in the protocol, right? Yes. He, well, so, technically three, if you count the team USA where he, he was a close contact and he was in for a day and he had to fly to okay. Tokyo a day late. But for for this extended period of time, yeah. Second time at, in addition to the end of last season. And, and do we know, or do you know, if there have been any specifics on any of these players actually being sick or having symptoms? So the team doesn't specify without player approval. Um, okay. So you couldn't say with 100% confidence. That being said, when you hear of a case where a guy is going to be in protocols for 10 days or until they return a negative, two negative PCR tests in a 24-hour span, when you hear that, I mean, there, there's a subliminal code you can kind of read between the lines uh, on that. So that's been the case for, I think, all of the protocol entries. That's kind of been the company line of they're going to be in it until it's been 10 days or until they return um, two negative tests consecutively. Um, so the only two that the team has confirmed positive tests for are um, Kobe and Javante. Uh, but again, in these situations where guys are out and you have situations where tests are landing guys in protocols, there's, there's always a chance that it's an inconclusive um, or a false positive. But usually in those cases, you'll see guys come back out of protocols a la LeBron James uh, within a couple of days. So it's something that, again, there's like, there's, there's, there's issues in terms of disclosure and guys consent and things like that with disclosing specifics, but it's something that you can reasonably read between the lines on. I was almost going to ask you, like, how's this for a, a beat reporter to all of a sudden have the season stall. But I think we've seen plenty of that in our, in yeah. our reporter lifestyle or lives lately in the last couple of years. So this is probably not that abrupt to you, is it? No, I mean, we, we got a, 
we certainly got a lot of it last season. Um, you know, there are words like protocols and, you know, little, little things that you get familiar with just from typing them over and over and over again and talking about yeah. them with people over and over and over again, things that you just never thought you'd be this familiar with PCR tests, cardiac screening, like just viral loads. Like it, it, it's, it, it is just kind of an interesting time um, that we live in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the week off, it, it is a little weird, even from a reporter's perspective, because you just get into the rhythm of games every other day or, you know, every two nights. Um, but, you know, in the, in the interest of guys' health and safety, the organization, you know, people within the organization's health and safety, and, you know, hopefully resetting for what, just based on some of the ripples going around the league right now, just gearing up for what could be a pretty dark winter uh, when it comes to this COVID yeah. stuff. It's yeah. ultimately for the best, I think, for them to uh, – to try to get this thing under control any way they can. Yeah, and maybe the the I hate to put it this way, but the Bulls get their outbreak out of the way. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that obviously these guys couldn't get it again. Zach Levine, as we just mentioned, has now this is the third time he's been in protocol, but hopefully they've had theirs and they can move forward with you know hopefully with the rest of the season. But there's obviously no way to predict that. Rob, I do want to actually get your. Uh, opinion on some some breaking news you may have even seen it cross your phone but Steph Curry um, has broken the the all-time three-point record um, a guy who has been seemed like a novelty at first well he kind of still is just because he can shoot from anywhere on the floor but w- what do you think about that what do you think about Steph Curry this guy in, in the really the prime of his career still in my opinion we're going to see a, many more years of Steph Curry and we're seeing history being made tonight by this kid Oh yeah, he's got years to to continue padding uh, this new record that he yeah. has, and uh, <laughs> and I, I actually do have it on in, in the corner of my eye. The game, um, you know, it's at Madison Square Garden. That's obviously cool. Uh, they stopped, uh, you know, the proceedings as oh, uh, cool. after he yeah. hit that shot, and they've got uh, you know Steph's mom is in the crowd. It looked like I I, I believe his dad was too. Ray Allen, um, whose record he obviously broke, um, <laughs> yes. was there. So yeah, very very cool. Always cool to see history being made. And I mean, what's great about Steph is you know, after this couple-year hiatus of, of the dynastic Warriors, he's back playing at a level that he was playing on when he was winning unanimous MVPs. They're the best team in the league. And, you know, they haven't even gotten Clay Thompson back yet. So the history is always cool. Uh, what's cool for me is this defining team of the late 2010s is having this kind of second life here. And, uh, you know, we'll see how far it goes. But they've, to me, been one of the, you know, brighter storylines of, uh, of this NBA season, just how much they've hit the ground running. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I think that most people, like except for their direct competitors, I think people who can look at it objectively, they like it when they see the big-time team rise again and become great. And obviously we saw that for, for six championships in Chicago. Rob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know that uh, even though they're not playing, you're busy and you are trying to listen to everything that is going on. So I appreciate you jumping on, man, and I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Anytime, Grody. Have a good one. Appreciate you, man. That is Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago, giving us the latest on the Chicago Bulls. And the 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 only thing right now that we can tell you for sure, well, I shouldn't use those words, but the Bulls are at the Lake, or excuse me, hosting the Lakers on Sunday night. That game was originally supposed to be a day game, give them a few more hours and play during the evening. So there is a game scheduled in the future. I don't know. I should have asked Rob this question. I don't know if the two games, the Detroit game and the Toronto games that got banged this week have been, have been uh, rescheduled yet, but I will check that out during the break. But next more bears, we're going to talk to Aaron Lemming. 
writes for CBS, Bears Report, and Windy City Gridiron. Looking forward to talking to Aaron Lemming about the Chicago Bears next. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.